is No Commons, and I'm your host, Janice Geary. I'm talking to experts across diverse fields about how they think the infamous idea of the tragedy of the commons can help tackle big problems of how we govern shared resources. I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Marco Johnson. Marco is a professor in the School of Sustainability in the College of Global Futures at Arizona State University, where he is also the director for the Center for Behavior, Institutions, and the Environment. He is the past president and current regional director of the International Association for the Study of the Commons. He has been studying and writing about environmental sustainability, collective action, commons governance, and research methods for about 30 years, contributing hundreds of academic works, including the highly cited and influential book, Working Together, Collective Action and the Commons, and Multiple Methods in Practice, co-authored by Amy Poteet and Eleanor Ostrom, and also the free textbook, Sustaining the Commons. Of course, publishing in this discipline means he has cited Hardin's 1968 essay a couple of dozen times, but we are talking today about his 2019 paper, Tragedy of the Commons as Conventional Wisdom in Sustainability Education. So welcome, Marco. Thank you again for joining me today. Is there anything you would like to add to that description or emphasize? No, thank you. Um, I'm thrilled to be here, too. I just want to start by getting right into your paper. I want to get into the results in detail, but just to start off with, can you just share with us a brief description of what the paper was about? Yes. Um, we did a survey among colleagues and professors in uh, the U.S. who were teaching introductory courses on sustainability, and we asked them a number of questions about uh, using the, the article of Gerd Hardin in their in their classes and we also asked them about uh, whether they are familiar with uh, different uh, alternative views and how they were using this so as we were um, expecting there was a quite a diversity about how the material was used and how people how much people actually knew about the broader context of uh, governing the commons um, and given that this was 50 years after uh, the article, this was uh, useful and interesting to um, to document that. And um, given that uh, a lot of my work comes from a particular perspective on governing the commons, uh, in which we uh, sometimes are surprised about how little people know about kind of the new approaches, well, not really new, it's almost 40 years that people are more focusing on empirical cases. We were, it confirmed our suspicion that a lot of the professors are not uh, using the more latest information about government comments. One thing I really love about this paper is it's one of the um, the best, I guess, summaries of the context of Hardin's writing. And it also provides a really great summary of how impactful this paper has actually been on environmental education and policy. Well, it has been one of the most cited uh, articles in, in uh, biology. Uh, it is used in, I think, if you ask a... Uh, I think uh, uh, it is at least in biology, but probably also in other disciplines about any article they have uh, remembered. And uh, at least in biology, students will get the hardened paper a number of times. So 
it's very widely used in, in education and, and I think it's in the top 10 of most uh, used uh, uh, papers in, uh, in, in that, that students uh, read about in, in college. Um, and you, you touched on that, you know, one of the biggest challenges with this paper is that, um, and I, you know, I've been going through a lot of papers that reference Hardin's 1968 paper, and it's, it's interesting. People often reference the 1968 paper, and then it's like no work has been done in the 50 years, and then they apply it to a very modern and complex commons problem. Um, and so you touched on that and that people are very unaware of, I guess, other work that's been done in this area. But what are some of the other challenges that you have observed with how this paper is used? Um, you touched on it a bit in, in your paper, um, some of the, I guess, historical context about Hardin's writing itself. So the paper had a, an enormous influence on uh, environmental governance and how people look at environmental governance in, in general about the importance of uh, uh, particular solutions like privatization and nationalization of resources. Um, those can be fruitful uh, policy interventions, but they underestimate the importance of community-based solutions. And um, so a lot of our work is uh, focused not on a particular uh, solution, but trying to understand the uh, broader context, and uh, there are a lot of examples of uh, success of uh, communities managing their resources. And that was one of the um, arguments that people remember often, and even if I go to uh, high schools that they are uh, uh, doing some uh, games in classes, then they, they know about the tragedy of the commons, and I ask, so what do you know? Oh, we cannot solve these problems. So a lot of people learn about it, that uh, communities cannot uh, solve these problems of governing shared resources and uh, that we need to have external intervention. And that has led to a lot of problems in like uh, ignoring indigenous um, uh, institutional arrangements, uh, changing governance in many countries, like especially developing countries, uh, also has requirements for getting loans by the World Bank, etc. So there's a lot of damage done by a misconception about what are potential solutions. The challenge is we often do not know what is a good solution, and it's a mixture of different types of governance arrangements, and that's, of course, a complex message. And of uh, course, the the appeal of Garden Hardin's uh, paper is that uh, he has a very kind of clear message, but it's uh, very oversimplified, and that had kind of a, a lot of uh, negative impact. One thing that um, I'm curious about as well is, obviously, you have been working in this area for a very long time. What happened in 2019 that made you want to tackle the way it was taught then? Just, did you just get fed up with how you've come across it? Or what was the impetus for getting this survey done at that time? Well, it, we did it in 2018. It was published in 2019, but because it was 50 years ago, so we thought, well, that might be a good uh, moment. And we, I also uh, noticed that uh, still, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes <laughs> you see things happening like a I think there was a video from uh, the TED 
talk uh, community about the comments. And again, it's all about the strategy of the comments. People cannot uh, solve these problems. And at the end, there was uh, one line about, well, uh, there are also um, other perspectives, but they didn't really talk about that. And so this was kind of, uh, so why is it that, uh, is it that the experience we have with students that they know about the comments, but they only know it from the, the Hardin perspective and not from the, say, the Ellen Rostin perspective, also well known, at least in the academic community. And, and so that's why we did this uh, survey and to get an idea of uh, what do people actually teach and what do the, the educators know about it? And especially uh, professors who have had a background in environmental studies uh, or environmental science, they were not aware of alternative fuels. So I get this, uh, this is also kind of reinforcing process that uh, uh, the, those in the kind of more natural sciences do not get exposed to this uh, alternative uh, perspectives. And yeah, uh, uh, Austin won a Nobel Prize uh, demonstrating that the, 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 was, as the Nobel Committee mentioned debunking the, uh, the kind of standard uh, perspective on how to manage the government. Uh, the government. He was also in the top hundred of most influential people in the world. So, but yeah, it's still surprising that uh, it didn't really enter the uh, the broader kind of audience where it is top. And, and maybe it's because it's a complex message that there are no panaceas and it's it's a more complicated story. So we wanted to to see whether our experience in this was actually happening. One thing um, that you touched on just now that I'd like to chat a little bit more about was the different disciplinary approaches to teaching environmental sciences. And you, you talked a little bit in the paper about previous literature that demonstrated there is a, a different approach to introducing these concepts based on the disciplinary, I guess, end of the, the faculty and the instructors that are presenting these ideas. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, the, the different approaches that, you know, the natural versus social scientists might take? Yeah, and, and maybe we have to do more in-depth uh, research about it, but I expect that in those who come more from a natural science perspective want to include some social science perspective and um, uh, and Hardin was uh, of course not a social scientist but they, they addressed the governance issue and they uh, and and maybe in environmental science uh, oriented course the tragedy of the comments is used as an example of some of the challenges about how to manage uh, shared resources and why there are a lot of problems like over harvesting of of trees and, and fish, etc. Um, but if you go into a more social science oriented uh, course, there might be more emphasis on uh, uh, the particular different types of policies and uh, the different um, actors, uh, players that uh, are involved in uh, managing these resources. So, and there might be more time in looking at the different dimensions of of governance and and in a environmental science oriented course, it might be a very brief time that uh, 
that harden issues. And I'm also using Garrett Harden in my course. So one of the things that we we ask about how do you use the uh, the article of Harden, and, and also people are critical about uh, Harden's work. They are still uh, discussing the work. It's not that, uh, and I, I've used it too. It's important to uh, to discuss uh, the Harden's paper, but you you have to put it in a, to a context. And um, and I think in a more social science oriented uh, course, there might be more emphasis on the, the different uh, nuances that have been uh, brought to light in the 50 years since then. So it's it's almost like um, those that are more focused on natural sciences want to bring in some concepts from social sciences, but they want to do it quickly. So they pick something snappy and easy to digest in, instead of getting into the nuances of commons governance as it actually exists in modern literature. Yes, that, that might be the case. I, I do not know the, the, the underlying motivations, but uh, uh, probably they might also not be aware of the broader debate. Uh, probably that will be the case too if, I will, uh, if I'm presenting some of the natural science work. There might be a kind of, I may use examples that might also be somewhat simplistic. But yeah, um, the work of Gerd Hardman, we know that it had quite a lot of uh, negative impacts of people not understanding the, the, the broader context. So that's why it is important, especially now when we see in large parts of the world the kind of a revival of the comments. Uh, it's good for people to realize that uh, there's more happening than uh, there's a lot of evidence that that people can manage the shared resources. Uh, the 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 question we have more is about how do they do that and with circumstances. Do you need to have external interventions? So, and that might be uh, to us more uh, a useful uh, discussion. I had to smile a bit while you were beginning that statement because um, the contrast between you saying, "Well, I have no data to support what the motivations might be," when we're talking about a paper, of course, it had no data in it, but has still in inspired and been used so much to inform policy. Despite that, so it's just an interesting contrast between the the approaches of, of your scholarship and that of Garrett Hardin's. But getting into what you do have data for, and that is the survey of uh, what instructors teach when they're sharing the concepts of the 1968 paper. Just to summarize, your survey aimed to learn how and why instructors introduce the tragedy of the commons concepts in their classes. So just as, a, as an overview, what did you learn from the survey? So that uh, one of the challenges of doing the survey is that we try to hide our own uh, perspective. So we, we asked them a number of perspectives they had about uh, the, the, the paper and about uh, how to manage shared resources in general. We found that uh, a lot of uh, well, we, we asked them, for example, is, is this uh, paper of Harden, is that the kind of the most forward uh, thinking about, is that the kind of the state of the art of uh, what we know about the comics? Uh, and uh, yes, there were a lot of um, uh, educators who thought that was the, the kind of state of the art. Uh, we also asked about uh, 
So how do you manage, uh, given your knowledge about uh, the topic, how do, what's the best way to manage these uh, resources? And uh, quite a, a large number of them, especially the natural sciences, they thought that this, uh, external intervention is needed, um, which is the kind of the conclusion of, uh, of Harden. And also a large number of, uh, of uh, participants um, found that there were no uh, alternatives, um, which is kind of surprising given that we have so many success cases and we are using shared resources. Um, uh, we use open source software. Uh, we are, yeah, there, there's a whole field of, uh, there are so many applications now in which, uh, which this demonstrates clearly that we can collaborate among strangers to get things done on a large scale. Uh, yes, there are uh, major uh, there are examples that really fit well into the uh, the strategy the of the commons, uh, like like fisheries, but also in, in studies about fisheries, there are also a lot of success examples. One of the kind of surprising factors was that a lot of participants that we uh, of the survey uh, confirmed that uh, the hardest work was the kind of the, the state of the art. And can you describe a little bit of the differences that you found between the the knowledge and the approach from the different disciplines that teach this paper? Those were, were coming from a more natural science perspective. They were more uh, in agreement with uh, Harding. Uh, so I think that well, it was a significant difference compared to economics or social science or uh, interdisciplinary. Actually, uh, we were a little bit surprised that economics and social science were very similar, given that we uh, see I'm, I'm, my background uh, is more in the economics uh, area. My formal training is uh, mathematics, but I did a lot of economics. I also was in an economics department for a while as a postdoc, and there I uh, experienced a, a very rational choice perspective. So it was interesting to see that there, there's uh, people realize that there, the, there is, there are alternatives. But, um, so if we ask people from different disciplines, what really stakes uh, out is that natural scientists, uh, well, natural science programs, those teaching natural science programs and those with a natural science training are significantly more in a, agreement that Harden's work is the kind of state of the art. You gave participants an open-ended question response to get their ideas about um, the context and the critical context that they teach it in. And uh, there was a few really interesting and very different perspectives. So there are some that are highly critical. Um, one participant said, Hardin has far too long been taught without critique and the full context of Hardin's larger intellectual project which was eugenical and racist, is rarely mentioned. Um, and another uh, comment I thought was really interesting on the other spectrum of things was someone who said, well, I was taught to score in this paper and the supposed argument in it in graduate school until I finally read it and I thought it was pretty good. So there was a huge spectrum of comments that you got from participants. And I w was wondering if you had any you know, general thoughts about 
um, what more you learned about perspectives from these open-ended questions. And I guess one of the interesting things was this is where you get away from having to carefully word questions to avoid your own bias and you give participants an opportunity to be a lot more direct, I suppose. Yes, uh, this was one of the main challenges of uh, creating a survey that we had a particular view on the the article and we did not want to uh, uh, reveal that. So we had to ask them about perspectives that we didn't agree with ourselves. So uh, one of the comments that we received that uh, that uh, was clear that uh, people who developed the survey had no knowledge about the subject. Uh, so in that way, that said, well, we did a good job not revealing our perspective because we uh, we wanted to uh, uh, hear from others. So uh, we could have asked about whether they were familiar with the say the the work of Ostrom, but then that would have led in a way. Um, yeah, that that would. We want to see whether people come up with it uh, themselves. So, so in that way, yeah, it was interesting to see the perspective. We got also some emails about thank you. I was uh, I, I I got uh, uh, I was one of the students of Hard, and it's great that you uh, honor him because it, we also when we sent it out, we said it's fifty years ago that the article was published and. We did our survey on how it is used. So they perceived that, that uh, we are doing the survey to honor Gerrit Harding and others were very upset that we uh, still pay attention to uh, uh, to this article. So, so yeah, a very broad perspective uh, on how people are um, viewing this. And that's given that some uh, a number of them were, uh, were upset about it, uh, I think it was... Uh, success of not revealing our perspective. Um, of course, people could have Googled us and saw that we were connected with uh, with Lynn Austin um, as being uh, her collaborators, but they uh, most people didn't, uh, at least didn't do that. So they were very honest in their responses. One thing that really stood out to me in in the results from this paper is that 42% of the respondents agreed that the tragedy of the commons demonstrates that external intervention is needed to avoid a tragedy of the commons. And the reason that really sticks out to me is that it sounds like 42% of people think that this paper was evidence of something. And I, when I think about the controversies of this paper, that's the thing that always really bothers me is how often it is presented as, as evidence when it was really just an essay. Yes. And, um, Actually, I had in recent weeks a uh, interesting incident uh, that uh, I'm organizing a series of conferences uh, on the Commons this year. Uh, given that we cannot have any person conference on the Commons uh, that we had planned, we do a series of virtual conferences. And the first conference uh, is about Commons in Space, uh, which is put on the agenda by former President Trump, who had a presidential decree that the outer space is not the commons. So when this was uh, announced, also uh, your colleagues were more into the space community. I got a, a response, and I cannot, re- I don't want to reveal who this is, but somebody who 
is very prominent in the in the space community and a very senior person who was uh, upset about that we organized this conference because it was evident that there were no examples of success of the comments on planet Earth. So why would we think this will be of any use to think about uh, comments in space and that we will have our mind already set? So I responded that we are interested in the research about in which conditions um, uh, governance of shared resources is successful or not. Not that we have a, a, uh, our mind is set. And, but I, I, I noticed that from this uh, response that yeah, some of these opinions are very uh, deep and that people are not interested to hear about some of the empirical research. Because it's so convenient to think about particular simple solutions, and um, actually there is uh, the the conference are, is getting a lot of attention uh, from the space community, and because they know they have to deal with very complex issues, and they cannot ju just focus on one particular approach. They have to be interdisciplinary. They also have to include community approaches for the different aspects. So. But yeah, it's it's interesting that this this argument is being used also in a political sense to focus on particular uh, solutions. But yeah, I'm I'm an academic. Uh, I try to to look at what is the the evidence. Um, but I want to uh, let people know that there's not a simple solution out there. But that makes it difficult for people who want to have one-liners in making their argument. That flows really nicely into one of the last things I wanted to chat with you about, and that is, you know, your paper focuses on how this, how Hardin's paper is taught in the context of undergraduate and I think graduate education. But of course, there's a lot of people who are doing research in this area. And I was wondering if you could touch on a bit more about some of the impacts of this simplistic understanding of commons governance in research to better understand effective governance. The article of Hardin does not provide a um, broader perspective. It emphasized the importance of privatization and nationalization of, of uh, resources, which can be um, uh, effective policies in many situations, but not in many others. And um, a lot of what uh, we are trying to teach in a, a course focused on the, on the commons is to discuss more a framework to kind of dissect the, the different kind of problems related to governance and to understand what kind of interventions or community-based solutions are appropriate in what kind of situation. So what are the incentive structures? So uh, we focus on the, the work of Ostrom as a way to to analyze uh, the comments. So a lot of people have a misunderstanding of the work of Ostrom too. A lot of, I uh, have that too sometimes with my own students, will think that Ostrom was uh, always focused on uh, community-based solutions, but she will be the first to say, no, no, um, there are no panaceas. We have to look at different perspectives. So we have to understand the governance problem and uh, based on uh, analyzing the underlying problem, then we can get an idea of what might be an appropriate solution. We know from a lot of the empirical evidence that it is important to 
to include the different uh, uh, parties uh, have what we now call procedural justice. Uh, that's uh, an area I'm now uh, more involved in that we, with experimental work, we, we see that it's not the particular rules that are important, but more the procedural justice uh, that people feel that uh, the process is uh, just and fair. It's not the specific rules that uh, are, are used. This is a, actually a common finding in a lot of experiments in uh, related to common dilemmas and other social dilemmas. So we are getting more and more understanding about what leads to sustainable solutions for managing shared resources. One of the big challenges that we don't have a good solution for uh, is how to scale this up to to address big questions like climate change. And I, I, I don't want to uh, start getting, uh, open up this big can of worms, but uh, I also uh, have been writing about that. I, actually, I wrote an article in a, of a, in a newspaper in India uh, last year about uh, the global commons. And this is an emphasize also uh, an argument that Len Ostrom emphasized is also with global problems, we need to look at uh, the local level, but we need to look at multiple levels. So also with global problems like climate change, we need to stimulate uh, community-based solutions. But then we also have to emphasize uh, governance at, at higher levels of scale, which is often more more difficult. But we cannot just just wait for, um, say, uh, uh, national leaders to uh, solve the problems that our uh, global community is facing. We need to have activities and governance at, uh, at multiple levels. And we have a good understanding how this works at, uh, at community uh, levels. And I'm also working with uh, an NGO uh, in India to to use some of these local level approaches and see how we can scale this up by doing kind of interventions uh, to simulate self-governance. That seems to be counterintuitive, but uh, we uh, stimulate some activities in which we have demonstrated that that stimulates self-governance. So uh, we are now going to a direction that we want to not necessarily uh, teach people to self-govern, but empower people to uh, to be able to do self-governance. And um, this is not the solution for everything. It's one of the ways we can help uh, communities to, to do a better job uh, in managing their shared resources. And, and uh, that's, I think, one of the big challenges, which I often hear say, well, that, that's nice that that there are community-based solutions, but how do we use that for the problems we face? That's one of the big challenges that we are trying to address is to how to use the lessons we have learned from uh, empirical research, uh, experimental work, and use that to empower communities and also develop better educational tools so that uh, students and communities get a better understanding of what might be possible ways to manage their shared resources. Thanks so much for that. That was a really fantastic look into some of the things you're doing now for um, self-governance. 
And um, I'm not sure if I had mentioned this, but the area of commons um, governance that I study is knowledge commons. And of course, our, one of our you know, big problems is getting people to share data. And I see, of course, that you shared the data used in this paper. So I just wanted to highlight that and say thank you and congratulations for putting that effort in. And I was just also wondering, has anyone used it or downloaded it? Have you paid attention to any of that? I have not paid attention how much, uh, whether people have downloaded, but I am also working on uh, open science related issues, uh, especially related to sharing code, uh, computer code, because I do a lot of um, uh, develop computational models. And uh, yeah, I've been involved in that. Era too, and there we see it's also a very much a community-based approach with the need for high-level actors like journals and sponsors will need to take action too. So you need to have it demonstrates you need to have activities at multiple levels. Just having the National Science Foundation or journals putting some statements is not sufficient. Uh, we also have community level approaches that's changing the norms. So yes, it's in my, uh, at least my group, we always uh, share our code and data if possible. And uh, nowadays it becomes more, more possible with the tools that are become available. Um, and before I wrap up, I just wanted to ask if there was anything else you wanted to share about your paper or thoughts about the tragedy of the commons in general that you didn't have a chance to say. Yet. Well, I would like to invite people to uh, um, look at the, uh, attend one of the upcoming conferences on uh, uh, our, the, I, uh, I was, uh, uh, I'm organizing the different conferences of the International Association for the Study of the Commons. Uh, we have a series of virtual conferences this year. The, the first one is on commons in space, uh, as was mentioned, but we also have other thematic conferences related to water, uh, the Anthropocene, fisheries, uh, knowledge commons, etc. And so this will be a opportunity to uh, learn more and, and present your own work uh, on, on the commons. That's great. I know that uh, I will certainly be participating in the Knowledge Commons meetings, and I'm really looking forward to those um, those sessions in general. And my last question was, are you working on anything right now that you might want to share with listeners? Um, other than the conferences, is there anything else that you wanted to plug? So we uh, just received a, a National Science Foundation grant to scale up uh, Commons Lemma experiments, uh, in which we use a game on what are the conditions in which uh, people, if they are on a habitat on Mars, uh, manage their shared uh, resource successfully? This is a kind of unusual topic, but uh, it's it's a game that uh, I got involved in in the last few years by people, uh, colleagues who work on, on uh, space exploration, and they realized that uh, the commons were a, a big challenge. And a lot of uh, people like to to do this game, uh, we also work with people in the in the more in the gaming uh, community. Uh, so uh, we are hoping to work this out towards a, a game that uh, could be used uh, in education. We have also part of the grant is to see how playing the game improves the understanding of the the, the comments. So. Um, 
at the moment, we play the game only with ASU students, but uh, hopefully in, say, two years, we will, this will be uh, more publicly available, and uh, this will, might be a, a tool that could be used in, uh, in the classrooms. So at least that's something that we uh, aim to, uh, to complete. Great. Well, that's all I had to chat with you about today. Thank you so much for joining me. I really loved hearing about all of your experiences and knowledge in this area. Um, thanks so much. Yes, it's my pleasure to uh, be in this podcast. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. If you'd like to learn more, you can find links to articles and other things we mentioned in the episode at nocommons.ca forward slash podcast. You can also find me and the show on Twitter at at nocommons. If you'd like to suggest a paper to feature, drop me a note on my website contact page. And of course, please consider subscribing to No Commons wherever you get your podcasts.